Welcome to Untold Secrets of Living Overseas with me, your host, Shauna Lowe. This is your go-to podcast for all things related to moving abroad, remote working, and a digital nomad lifestyle. This year alone, I've already helped 3,300 people with their move abroad. I've reached 400,000 souls through my live and virtual events, and we have covered 40 plus countries with my live events with my company, Move Overseas Now. This podcast is for you if you've been trying to plan your move abroad and you just need that extra push and motivation. Join me every week as I interview visionary entrepreneurs, adventurous digital nomads, and accomplished remote workers. Together, we'll unravel their best kept insider tips and tricks for unlocking a successful and happy life overseas. Prepare to discover the hidden secrets of seamless relocation, finding your dream home, landing a remote job, flourishing in a new culture, and so much more. Get ready to embark on a transformative journey filled with inspiration, empowerment, and the key to living life to the fullest, no matter where you are in the world. So anyways, I'm your host, Sean Alum. I'm actually an adventurous soul who left the U.S. to explore the vibrant Spanish culture, actually fell in love with my now husband, who is Spanish, Dan, and I found my passion. I fell in love. I've overcame obstacles. I've created two online businesses. I've became a digital nomad, and I'm here to show you guys how to do that. Avery is, she's incredible. She's from the US. She is an SEO and content expert. SEO is search engine optimization. It's basically getting people's business like on the first page of Google and like optimizing things. So like you are found on from the the biggest search engine in the world. And this portion of the summit is building a profitable business. Um, Obviously a lot of us want to live abroad, but some of us are like, oh my gosh, like the remote work side can seem overwhelming. Uh, maybe you have a business and you want to learn how to like better that business. So it it further enforces like, I'm going to be okay when I make this move. She's the perfect person for this because she digital nomads. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's like traveling to different countries specifically for very short periods of time, let's say like three months and just working from there. And so anyways, Avery, I wanted to introduce you. Tell us about like, what you're doing, where you're at, and kind of like, what does your lifestyle look like as a digital nomad? Because I think we all low-key want to do this. So yeah, yeah, take it away. yeah. Um, it is, I, th- I think the thing that everyone expects you to be like is every day is totally different and it's wild and I'm in a different country every other day. And it's not, not quite that exciting. Like it absolutely could be that, but the important part and what we're talking about here today is running a successful business. And what I have found from being a digital nomad for three years is you kind of have to temper expectations of what your travel life will look like if you also want to run a thriving, successful business. And also there can be phases. Um, I've really been experimenting with doing sprints where I work really hard doing consulting, launching courses, um, bringing on like one-off contracts, working on client websites, and then take a month off and go on vacation so that I can enjoy, enjoy both aspects of life when sometimes it might be hard to travel while also maintaining a full-time work schedule. But I will back up and give myself a proper introduction first. Um, My name is Avery Melcher. I own a small SEO content agency named Oso Content. 
And we focus, we're, we're a little bit different than a lot of SEOs. Um, a lot of people, when they think SEO, they think web dev or they're thinking link building. We actually don't do that. We do everything that's on your website. So all of the content, and then we also build a content strategy. And that's also where people get confused when I say I am a content creator or a content writer. A lot of people associate that with social media. So I live in this in-between zone um, and we also don't do copywriting. So the difference between cop copywriting and content content writing is content writing is what's on your website. It's going to be blog pages and that type of stuff. Whereas copywriting, super, super valuable skill, high income skill is going to be those emails, sales, copy, web page stuff. So in my career, I've done both. I started my career as a freelance writer, kind of doing anything and everything for anyone who would pay me for my services. Um, I did develop my skill for writing early on um, and I've always loved that part of it. Um, and then over time, I actually started working in agencies and that's where I fell in love with SEO and the power of SEO. I worked at Neil Patel, um, which if you follow the SEO world, he's huge in it. And I learned so much about where technical SEO and content should come together and often doesn't. And that's where I've gotten really, really passionate over the last couple of years of you see people doing SEO and or content and they're siloed and they really should be a team effort. And so that's what my agency does is bringing those two pieces together. Um, oh, I, so I love uh, yeah. And so within my agency, we do, I have a consulting leg where I primarily work with smaller businesses at that capacity or startups or businesses that haven't started yet want a strong SEO strategy from the beginning, which is a great idea. If you have the resources, uh, we have typical agency retainer services that are going to be similar to any other marketing agency where we have a monthly package and you pay for those packages. And then I have courses where I teach people how to do SEO. And that's a really, really great fit for your writers who want to learn high income skills or maybe own an agency of their own one day, bloggers who are trying to make money from a blog and need SEO or small business owners who are scrappy. We've all been there and you just can't afford to outsource stuff yet. So you need to learn how to do it yourself. So I've been working on developing all of that. Ironically, my business, my successful business started from a, what was supposed to be a career gap. So um, wow. three, what was it? Almost four years ago now, I left the corporate world. I left Neil Patel was going to take some time off. And I started getting calls from people of like, Hey, I, I know you're not at Neil Patel anymore. Would you have time to look at my website, do this or that? It ended up growing into a business that now has five employees and all it actually was started while I was abroad too. I didn't start it in the U S and then go to this digital nomad life. I learned it all. <laughs> what, what do they say? Build the plane while you're flying it. That was, that was what we were doing. While um, you were traveling. Yeah, I was, I had bought a one-way plane ticket to Colombia. My plan was to take time off. And while I was in Colombia, it was actually on my birthday on September 6th, I hired my first employee. Um, and that was three months into my career break. <laughs> I got so busy. I had to hire an employee. <laughs> that is so crazy. So how did you like know that you wanted to do SEO and like the agency side of things? And how did that come to you? Yeah, well, a part of it is it's what I know. Um, I've worked when I was a freelance writer, a lot of contracts I worked with was agencies. And then when I, I've worked in agencies, so that was a model I was familiar with. But the reason why I had interest in starting it, because an agency is not for the lighthearted to begin and manage and do all of that, um, is 
I, I truly did see a gap where, like I said at the beginning, I see people offering SEO and they're offering technical parts and or link building. Or I see freelance writers struggling to find clients with like getting retainer clients for blogging and these important content services because they're not really understanding. There's like a disconnect of how like the value of content and how we as consultants and freelancers can offer that to our clients. And what I saw was it, it's this SEO piece. What I'm doing for you is content, but what I'm giving you is leads and traffic and right. visibility with your website. So it was a matter of repackaging that and offering it in a different way, because it's something that I saw freelancers have to offer and really talented people, but they were struggling with clients. And then on the client side, I saw clients needed this, but also didn't know what they were looking for. And so it's also a mass matching of messaging. Interesting. Now, is this like this field that you're talking about? Like, can this be for anyone? I know in the panel before with Rachel, we talked about like people can start being a social media manager. What if people want a, a new start? They maybe want to become a freelance writer. Do we have any like people that are interested in writing in here? Is that put me in the chat? If so, is that an option for people? Is that kind of like something that you're recommending if people maybe want to shift into a new area? Like, what can you kind of like touch on on that? Because a lot of people yes. are looking to go abroad. They're looking for a new start. They're looking for something new. So I've got the, I've got the stats and then I've got the inspiration. Inspiration is I have two degrees, one in fashion design and one in French. So I did not study this. You can absolutely learn it. I ended up working for Neil Patel, one of the top names in SEO. Everything I know is self-taught. And I was a senior level manager at his company too. So you absolutely can do it. Um, second piece is uh, freelance writing, copywriting, content writing, SEO. Those three are consistently in the top lists. If you go look at high income skills for 2023, growing industries for 2023, best ways to make money online, those consistently top the lists right next to dev social media management. So it is absolutely a high income skill that you should be learning. And if you want to even better, um, anyone can start, anyone can learn it. Um, and it doesn't, that's one thing I'm passionate about too, is kind of pulling back the curtain on the industry because it used to be smoke and mirrors and the value of SEOs used to be the fact that I know the information and you don't. And Google is this mystery machine and it's not Google actually publishes every single year, what they see the value in and like what the ranking factors are. And then they also publish every single month when they're making big update changes. The only difference is I'm, it's my job to keep up with that and implement right. it and test out things. And everyone's talking about AI right now. It's my job to test that and see how it works, see if it impacts websites. And if you become an SEO writer, it will be your job. Um, so it's not that I know something you don't know. Right. You can absolutely learn it. So Felicia is saying, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I'm great at writing. And I'm thinking about returning to that route. However, blogging is different today. How, what would yeah. you respond to that? It absolutely yeah. is different today. And I mean, and thank goodness, um, because that keeps us in a job <laughs> in a way, again, as experts, um, kind of thinking to, you know, the conversation prior, like if you're a social media manager, it's your job to keep up with that. That is a, your 
outsourcing that mental load to someone else as a business owner. And just that fact, I have a social media manager. I'm like, I could keep up with it, but I don't want to. And I see my clients doing the same thing all the time too, is like, they just want to know it's handled for them. And it's my job to keep up with all of those changes and know what's changing. Um, it's, it's not one of those things where it's a get rich quick thing, or you can do something once and do it every single day for the next five years. And it will work exactly the same way. However, I will say blogging moves so much slower than social media or any other industry. So a lot of what I'm doing today is very similar to what I was doing two years ago. And not because I'm lazy or haven't changed, but because it is still what's working. And we have prioritized quality, not any of these, a lot of the quick tactics you see people talking about is just kind of trying to drum up something sexy to say in the industry. Um, if you're actually writing quality, you're researching topics people are searching for on Google, and you're writing that authentically and structured in a way that people can skim through and get that information quickly, that is going to be what's valuable. Some of the, I can speak to some of the differences. We're moving toward long form content which sounds silly because we're all digesting 15 second TikToks. But even if you look at that, TikTok has moved to a three minute format and even up to 10 minute format on some of their videos. So with blogging, writing longer form content is going to win the day. Um, and then also just not taking shortcuts with quality. Everyone's talking about AI. Google actually did an, a release in September called, called the quality content update. It's hard to say fast. Um, and really it was in disguise an AI algorithm change that they're trying to beat AI before AI became big. So, you know, you can use these tools and things. Um, yeah, chat GTP. That's a, that's kind of what I'm getting at with AI here. I'm like, yeah, AI. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love it and I will be using it. Um, and I see uh, in the SEO world, I see a lot of people going both ways. I see people being like, I'm firing my whole team. I'm only doing chat GTP and I'm having it write everything. And this is going to be awesome. If you start producing en masse, low quality content, Google is going to, you are going to pay for it. It does not matter whether you're using AI or whether you're using a person, you will pay for it. So that's my like word of caution. On the other hand, I see people over here saying, do not use ChatGPT. Google is making updates where it will penalize AI content, which is true to a, a part of that is true. Um, and, you know, it's going to erode the industry, support writers. So while I get some of that, I think if you're in content, SEO, copywriting, content, social media, anything that has to do with writing content, and you're ignoring ChatGPT, you're going to be left behind. Um, and I also think that it's going to replace low-level work. So I think that's where it's even more important to improve your skills, get the high-income skills like SEO content, copywriting, because AI can't do that. But AI can write to the level of an entry-level writer right now. So that's one thing where I see it, like I see it cutting out those, some of the fluff, but the really high-quality people who are really bringing value beyond just the words the value that I'm bringing my clients is strategy. I'm sitting down every month with them thinking about how we can improve their leads and the quality of traffic we're bringing to their website. I'm not just giving them blog posts. So that's kind of my piece. And right. even before chat GTP, we've been using AI. If you use Grammarly, that's AI. If you're using tools like Answer the Public, that's AI. I use SEMrush. There's AI in that. So we've been using it and we should. 
And for those that don't know what she's talking about, uh, AI, artificial intelligence to like write things for you to help your business is what she means. Now, I want to touch on this because for those of you that don't know, Avery, like, like she said, she'll work and then she'll take these amazing trips. Like she, you were just in Patagonia hiking, which is the South of Argentina. And then she went to Arge uh, Antarctica. Like, I kind of want to let people know, like, if they decide to do something like this, or if they're a remote worker, just like how much freedom does that open up to? And can you kind of tell us quickly what your lifestyle kind of looks like? And then I have a question from somebody that just messaged me that I want to jump into too. But what is your yeah. typical, like, like month look like, you know, you'll work oh, here. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I've spent a long time kind of honing this because I've learned as much as I like, I hate answering to someone and having a schedule. It's why I'm my own boss and not an employee. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword because if I don't have a routine and structure, I will like lose all focus. So I've had to point, I'm like, wait a minute, I need to be my own boss. So I still need to get yes. myself at 6 a.m. every day and be at my computer by nine or I'm not getting anything done. And so I've worked on building out, for me, what it's given me is the ability to create a schedule that works for me. So I do meetings on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. On Monday, I do client work. I usually do a 10 to 12 hour day. Um, I do have ADHD. So working a 12 hour day for me on Monday, as opposed to two, six hour days is way better. Um, and so, and then I usually take Fridays off and then that leaves Thursday, some of Wednesday and Thursday for like client work, supporting my team um, and doing some of that strategy work on Fridays. If I do have some like things that didn't get done during the week or things that I want to work on for the business, I will go do that. But I've found um, when I'm in these different countries and places, I love to take three-day weekends and do small trips. So what I've done while traveling that's worked really well for me is setting up a base in a city. And I try really hard to not move more than once a month um, because I've just found a month gives me a really good amount of time where I can look at my four weeks and I can say, this is what needs to get done. These are the projects that I'm working on. If it's less than that, it is so difficult for me to say like, I have, I'm here this week, but then next week I'm moving to Guatemala. And then the following week I'm going to England. And travel times have gotten trickier over the years with COVID and that as well. Like I just, I was in Egypt this year and what was supposed to be an 18 hour flight home took me 48 hours. So if I did not have a flexible work schedule, that would have absolutely ruined my work week. And it did upset a lot of it. But mm -hmm. what I tell people is it is still having a full-time job because I do not want to undermine how hard it is to start your own business it's wonderful and it gives you this amazing life, but I am about six years into working for myself. And it really was in this last year that I realized I can sleep in until noon today if I want to. Two years ago, I could not do that while I was building my business. I needed right. to be accountable. I needed to be there and I needed to be working. So you do have to put the work in. But when you're traveling, you could do it for a lower cost. If you're leveraging geo arbitrage, you can have a higher quality of life. I found that being in a place I could be really scrappy, I could be a startup, I could dedicate tons of time to growing my business. And then when I close my computer, I'm in Colombia. I'm basically on vacation and I can step out and experience a new culture and have a quality of life that I want that when I was freelancing in the US, I didn't feel like I had, I felt like I was always grinding. And then I lived in California too, for reference. So I'd step out of my you know, studio and I'd be like, 
I can't like turn around in this town without spending money or doing something. And I'm just like working so hard to try to start a business and also afford the cost of living. And I don't feel like I have any quality of life. And when I started traveling, for me, just being in a place is so much, you know, you can choose to be next to the beach. You can choose to be in a city and just taking an afternoon walk around your block and experiencing the food vendors and the street performers. It feels like you're taking a vacation and you're just going on a 20 minute walk. Um, and so yeah. I don't really, cause it's not even just about like cost of living in that, but it's just about that, that quality of life and Guys, if you haven't left the U.S. yet and started working, the U.S.'s work culture is so different than anywhere else in the world. Maybe Japan. I know Japan works very, very hard, but I've been primarily in South America for the last three years, and they just do not prioritize work like we do. And that can be good and bad. So like when I'm in my room, I've joked with my Argentinian friends, when I'm in my house, we're in the United States, and we have a strong work ethic, and we're working 40-hour weeks. But when we're outside, I'm not answering client calls. I sometimes don't even bring my phone with me. I am totally mentally free because in the U.S. we love to like it's yeah and it's it's like your boss is like why aren't you answering your phone and you're like well it's eight o'clock at night and I'm on a date and they're like too bad (laughs) right and and in South America like if you even mention working on the weekends, you'll get these like sideways glances. Like, are you, are you okay? Do we need an intervention? And you're like, no, it's just, I run my own business and I want to work on Saturday because I'm working on a new course, you know? And so it, it's a part of just like experiencing a different culture and seeing how they experience work as well too. And giving yourself this healthy balance that I really needed. I'm a recovering workaholic and I'm a type A person. And I'm Yeah, I've spent 10 years in my career just always trying to work harder and like the amount of productivity podcasts and books I've read. And I'm like, you know what? Life isn't always about being productive in every single minute. Like if it, if it takes me 30 minutes to clean my house, that's okay too. I don't have to try to hack it. Um, And so like being in other countries and exposed to other cultures has really helped me with that too. And it's also taken away a lot of the comparison game, which I'm sure we've all seen as entrepreneurs too. It's very easy to sit down next to your friend and be like, well, they've got everything. They've got the car, the house. And I'm just over here in my basement trying to build a business, like struggling to pay the bills because I'm funding it myself. And when you're in a different country, it's, it's, again, it's, it's just, everyone's on their own journey. And already you, people are like, whoa, you're like traveling around the world. So it also gives you some space to build the life and business you want to. And I don't know if I'm saying that the best possible way, but it's, it's just a full different experience. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think a lot of people resonate with that. If it resonates with you, please say me if you want that, if you have experienced it, if you want to experience it. So I have a question. There's some, there's a lot of people in here that have their own business. So I'm going to read the question from the the direct message I got. So my US based, my US based company has finally given permission to work from abroad for a limited, for limited stays. So that's like under the 90 days that would require a work visa with more countries offering digital nomad visas. I'm hoping to expand on that, but I'm looking for resources to help my boss and our HR team make the leap. This is important beyond me as I am blazing this trail for my colleagues and I need to do this right so they don't close the door. What would we recommend for that? Oh man. Um, well, first of all, like congratulations. And also just for recognizing that 
you know, it's, it's gotta be done right. Um, not only for yourself, but for your coworkers and you can create such a better place to work for everyone. Um, one thing that I've noticed, cause I've worked remotely, even when I worked in companies, I got my first remote job in 2010 and I've only worked in an office for a, two years, um, from 2010 to now. So what's, what's a 13 years? Gosh. <laughs> um, but what I've noticed in working with all of these different businesses is there is a work from home policy and companies that are work from home friendly. And then there are companies that have a true remote work policy. So I would research companies who are really blazing the path for remote work. Like GitHub is a company that has 10,000 employees in like 50 different countries, fully remote. Dropbox is a fully remote company. I believe Slack is a fully remote company. Some of the things that work for them are you, if, if you have enough employees having maybe an East Coast and a Pacific or East and West Coast hours, office hours, I see a lot of companies doing like a four hour in the middle of every day work session where you're expected to be online because this, you need to be online and accessible within a 30 minute response time between eight and five doesn't work. If you start having employees all around the world, because now you're expecting your employee to be up till 3am um, and kind of putting it on them because they decided to be in a different country. But if you're a company that really cares about your employees and how they're doing, um, I see a lot of doing like between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. We expect you to be online and answering things, or those are the times where we're doing meetings or establishing, like I've done, meetings are on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Outside of that, there's there's no possible emergency in the world that we right. have to meet Thursday at midnight um, yeah. in the content world. <laughs> Maybe you work in a different, if you work in the healthcare industry, perhaps, or something, but right. there are just such very few things that you, it feels urgent, but you're like, no, this absolutely can wait until 10 AM tomorrow when everybody is going to be on Slack. And we can talk about this as a team. We don't need to call an emergency meeting. Um, and it creates really healthy boundaries. So that's, that's one thing is trying to establish work times that feel really realistic for you and your company, where you can absolutely commit to being there and then absolutely crushing that, making sure you are always there. If you tell them it's 10 to two PST, you are answering those Slack messages and emails within 15 to 30 minutes, especially if you're the first person to have ever done this. It's going to be a bit like being the first child. You're going to have to take on more responsibility, unfortunately, but by knocking it out of the park and showing people that it can be done. Another thing um, is helping your company adapt to meetings that look like this. Some people have video off, some people are showing their face, some people have a photo and having a Zoom link in every single calendar invite. There have been so many times, we had a hybrid work schedule at Neil Patel, but there were so many times where the person who was working from home doing laundry or taking care of their kids that day got left out of a meeting because we didn't have uh, a policy there, that there was a Zoom link attached for every meeting. So then they would get back to the office and it was the same experience as them having been sick for the day. And we all have to recap them up, like recatch them up on that meeting. So by making sure all of your people are included on every meeting, that's really huge. Then there's also the daily accountability. You have to find what works for you in the business and your team, but daily standups might be too much. Maybe it's weekly. We do weekly standups in my business and it's on Monday and it's just in Slack because I'm allergic to meetings. I don't like them. So I meet with one of my direct reports one time a week for 30 minutes. We try to keep it to 30 minutes, every meeting to 30 minutes, because I can talk, as you can see here, um, fast. And I have a lot 
to say always. Um, and then everything else is just put in the chat what you're working on this week. Um, and if, if we need further elaboration or we need to have a meeting, that's great. Um, so those are a couple of things for communication for the company. The other thing is also establishing what end of day means. I see this happen all the time. Um, end of day for some people is midnight in their local time. End of day for other people is 5 p.m. Other people, it's 3 p.m. Pacific, Eastern. So it's establishing those things like kind of an SOP for communication that when I say end of day, even though I haven't been in California for four years, my business runs off of PST hours. So end of day is 5 p.m. PST. And then it's a late assignment. And if you're a contractor, you won't be paid for that. And we are so strict about deadlines because that is the only thing that anchors our business when we're remote. My company, I've got five employees um, or five team members. We are on four different continents, I believe. Um, and then we've got clients in three different on three different continents. And the only thing that keeps us together is deadlines. So I schedule everything out. My team knows what they're doing one month in advance. And there's just simply no reason to miss a deadline um, when you know what you're doing a week in advance or a month in advance. So that's another thing with working with your company um, and trying to mitigate as much as possible those everyday fires that comes up. There, there shouldn't be that many fires every day. Realistically, we should know on Monday what we're working on that week. You might get some client emails that come up or a couple of things here and there, and then you can handle them. But when you're dealing with one to five fires a week instead of one to five a day, it's a, it also makes remote work a lot more accessible and easier to do. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. And there's another question in the chat. Um, let's say we started a social media digital consulting business. How and what is going to happen on federal state tax return filings? You're okay. Avery is an expert. <laughs> she figured it all out. And she says, I had and still have a business. The more we make money, taxes are high. Moreover, if you want your employees, then it will be changing more to us. Any thought? on like the federal state tax return filings and living abroad and all that? Okay, yeah, so I have to give the disclaimer. This is not tax advice. I'm not a CPA. Do not do something and then, um, you know, come back to me, but I can share what I have researched. First thing I would say, and everybody should say, is you should have a great CPA. And I went through, I think, five CPAs in the last two years. They need to be someone that understands a digital nomad life. There are multiple CPAs that have worked with that or offshore companies. My CPA now, he is semi-retired and he used to help companies who have offshored to the Virgin Islands huge, huge tech companies. So he looked at mine and he's like, oh, this is small beans. You're fine. Um, and so you want to work with something like that, someone like that, not someone that you're trying to explain to them what your life is. Also with like the travel life too, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I do a lot of points hacking. So I have about 15 credit card accounts and it's like, for what? Well, it's for the points. That's, that's why. And I've had CPAs in the past be like, you don't need this many accounts. You could streamline it. I'm like, no, I do because I get free flights. So someone yeah. also understands that and works with you on that level. Step one. Um, step two. Yeah, I see Dina's talking about this. So there's uh, multiple aspects. So I'll try to break this down quickly. There is personal and business. So first step for personal, you need to decide um, what your life is. So I have spent of the last four years Three years of that have been outside of the U.S. And the only reason I came back to the U.S. last year was I've gotten into some real estate investing and I wanted to be here for the properties. So I have decided that 
it does not matter where I'm at. And I, I am taking advantage of what's called the foreign earned income exclusion, which if you're outside of the U.S., it, well, it's if you're inside of the U.S. for 30 days or less per calendar year, you do not pay federal taxes on your first 100K earned on a personal level. Um, I can put it in the chat here. It's called the foreign earned income exclusion. And the idea here is not to evade taxes. The idea is if you're if you have your residency, I'm a legal resident of Portugal and I'm working towards my citizenship there. So I will be a legal resident there. So to avoid paying taxes, I will also be a tax resident there. So to avoid paying taxes in the US and Portugal, I'm telling the US, this is now my permanent address in Portugal. And they're giving you a tax break on that first earned income. And that's at the federal level. Then there's the state level where it's just a matter of moving yourself to a state where you don't pay state taxes. I saw Dina said, Florida, I'm in South Dakota. South Dakota is very easy to set up and maintain. You only need to be in South Dakota once every five years for one night for you go stay at a hotel, show them your hotel receipt, give it to the DMV. They give you a new driver's license and you're a resident. Um, so I'm a resident of South Dakota. And then on the years where I am outside of the US, I take advantage of the foreigner and income exclusion. Then there's the business side of it, and you could do an S-Corp, an LLC, a sole prop, or a C-Corp. Um, if you are serious about your business, I would recommend against a sole prop because that's just paying the highest level of taxes and um, business taxes. An LLC gives you a bit more protection, an S-Corp gives you a bit more, and then a C-Corp completely separates you from your business. Um, so LLC and S-Corp is what we call pass-through companies. So that's where you might be feeling as your business grows, you're continuing to pay taxes because if you're an S-Corp or an LLC, you're paying taxes at the business level, but then you're also having to report your business income as a line item on your personal taxes and your personal taxes are going up as well. So I would also potentially talk to a CPA and explore the differences between an, an LLC and a C-Corp. I own both. Um, I like both uh, for different reasons, but that could be an issue. Um, then there is the part of hiring your team. Most of my team, actually all of my team are contractors, legal contractors. I am my only employee. I do write myself a paycheck every two weeks as a W-2 employee. So then there's that part. And there really is no getting away from paying payroll taxes. Um, for me, paying those taxes is a sign your business is doing well. Um, so I think that's wonderful. And that's where you need to look at your prices to your clients and your profit margins and see if you're really appropriately budgeting in all of your overhead into your profitability. Because when you start paying those employees and you have payroll taxes, you're actually paying nearly double the actual salary amount you're paying them. So that's very, I, I don't want to go over too much here, but um, that's like a very high level, just to some things to start you on your research and what to look at. Avery, thank you so much. And you guys who asked those questions in the chat, really good questions. Avery is just like such a badass when it comes to like, we already know, we kind of can tell, but she has multiple businesses and she's been traveling the world successfully for like the past, you said six years, right? Um, it's been full-time for four. And then I did about three before that was part-time. Nice. But thank you so much, Avery, for joining us. So I hoped you liked that episode of Untold Secrets of Living Overseas. For more information about moving abroad, 
or joining some of our programs, you can head over to moveoverseasnow.com. And a really fun thing that you can do is join the waitlist actually for the ultimate Move Overseas Now course. This is actually a course that's gonna be saving you hundreds of hours of research and planning. And you're gonna be getting from A to Z all of the processes and the steps for making your move abroad and specifically for 15 plus different countries. So it's really jam packed. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to come out in the fall. So see you guys on the next episode and so excited to connect with all of you. Talk soon.